Hello, Seacoast. Great to see you this weekend. Hey, we are celebrating 35 years as a church. Can we give it up one more time for a pretty significant anniversary and birthday? And I do want to welcome all of you who are joining us at one of our campuses. Uh, maybe you're online. Uh, there are people in the room today who were here on day one. Uh, and there are people in the room today who this is your day one. And wherever you are in the journey, we're grateful that you're here. We look forward to what God is going to do in our midst. While we have been celebrating the past, so this past week, uh, past series, we, we talked about the past and God's faithfulness and what he's done. This past weekend, all of our campus pastors spoke live and did a great job of talking about how you can get involved right now in the present. And today, we're going to look ahead at the future a little bit. What, is, what does God want to do next in our lives and then through our lives as a church. But before we look at the future, can we just honor my mom and dad, our founding pastor, Greg and Debbie? They're here today. They were here on day one. And uh, so cool what God started in you and what he is continuing to do in you. And so... Now that we've honored them, I want to throw them under the bus because I have been talking about the future, but I'll look at the past for a moment. Uh, a couple weeks ago at our Somerville campus, a woman named Louise Wilson walked in with a big manila envelope full of just gold, uh, stuff that uh, documents and flyers and resources from even before this church started, uh, the email that was sent to Northwood Church about this church plant that was coming. And one of the things that she included in that was this mailer. Uh, this mailer was a mailer that we sent out to about 20,000 homes. Uh, this would have been all of the church's budget probably at that point to let the community know about this church that was coming. And you see uh, on, on this one side, it says, catch the vision. On April 3rd at 10 a.m., Seacoast Christian Community begins worship services at the Watermark Plaza on Northcutt Boulevard in Mount Pleasant. Now, by chance, I know mom and dad are here. Is there anybody else that was here for the very first Seacoast service? I know we had several in the last service. Is anybody here? Raise your hand. Oh, there you are. Bella's here. A couple of you guys. Here's what the people that were there for that first service will tell you. We never met at Watermark Plaza. Seacoast, that, that building fell through uh, probably the day after we put this mailer in the mail to 20,000 people. Now, when, when it's all of your church budget uh, and you get the wrong address, that's a pretty big detail on that flyer. There may be people today walking over to Watermark Plaza because they've heard about this church that's supposedly going to start at some point. Uh, and, and here's what I was thinking about when I saw that. One is that, that, that what we get to experience Today, 35 years later, at whatever campus that you're at, the faithfulness of God, uh, the, the, the number of baptisms, which is north of 7,200 and something baptisms, the, the stuff that we're sitting in right now, the fulfillment of this vision of Seacoast, it's not because of our amazing graphics department, although they've gotten a lot better and our communication has gotten better. Um, it's not because we've executed strategy perfectly over the years. It's God's faithfulness. And it's vision. It's vision. The secret sauce is, is vision. Uh, and, and, and today, I want to talk to you about vision. What does it look like for you to have vision 
for your life? What does it look like for us as a church to continue to have vision? There's a scripture that I want to show you in Proverbs, and it says, where there is no vision, the people perish. And, and we heard that in that, that song that we all experienced together, that, that 35-year-old dude cast in vision years ago that, man, on this piece of land, tens of thousands of people are going to be impacted. You know what I thought when I was there that day? I thought, he's crazy because there were about 100 people in attendance that day. It was like this so far-fetched vision, but it was vision, and it's that vision that has propelled us to continue to move forward. And when there isn't vision, people suffer. One version of the Bible says they cast off restraint. Uh, in our families, as parents, if we don't have vision for our families, our kids are gonna, they're gonna struggle. They're gonna cast off restraint in our workplaces, in our nation. Part of the problem, I believe, right now in our nation is that we don't have a lot of vision other than to just criticize everybody else. And when there isn't vision, people just kind of do their own thing and ultimately they, they perish. The Hebrew word for vision in that verse is kazon. Kazon. Kind of sounds like calzone. I'm hungry. We're going to eat here in a few minutes. But, and here's what it means. A dream, a revelation, or vision for life. And, and, and what I love about Scripture is in Acts chapter 2, when, when the, the New Testament church was formed for the very first time, the Spirit of God came. The Bible says that one of the very first kind of identifiers, you'll know the Spirit of God is there if there's vision. I want to show it to you. In Acts chapter 2, it says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So God's spirit is poured out. And, and if we didn't read that verse, there's a lot of things we might think would happen when the Spirit of God pours out. You know, people are going to be discipled and church is going to grow and all these things. And all of that is true. But, but the evidence here is that people are going to have vision. What is vision? It's when people get a glimpse of the future through God's eyes. It's when God starts to give ordinary people pictures of what the future might look like. And, and we begin to live towards that end. And so my question for you today is what's your vision? What's your vision? What do you see God doing in you? Because without vision, the people perish. The year 2004, the Olympics, it was in Greece. Some of you are like me are old enough to remember this, but there was an Olympic athlete, an American, who was a shoe, and he was kind of the Michael Phelps of his sport. Uh, and everybody knew going into it, he was the hands-on favorite. He was going to win his sport. His sport happened to be, uh, it, was, it was actually shooting a rifle. Uh, he was an air rifle shooter. His name was Matt Emmons. And at the 2004 games, he competed in the three-position event, which is a 50-meter shot that you do from your stomach, your knees, and then from your feet. And so he does the first two shots, and he hits the center of the bullseye in each of those events. Now he's got one more shot to hit. And at this point, he's so far ahead of everybody else in this event that all he has to do is hit anywhere on the target and he's going to win the gold medal. 
for this. All of his life, he's, he's worked towards this moment. Well, he lines up his shot and he takes his shot and he actually doesn't just hit a target. He hits the center of the bullseye. Here's the problem. It was the wrong target. He hit the bullseye of the target in the lane next to him. He ends up finishing in eighth place. Total disaster. And you know, the, the thing that we can learn from that is that worst case scenario isn't failure. Really, worst case scenario is succeeding at the wrong thing. At, at winning at something that doesn't matter. And as one of your pastors I hear this story play out over and over again where the same look that Matt Emmons had when he realized I, I hit the wrong bullseye is what happens when we get to the latter years of our life and we realize that we've had success in things that don't matter. What's your vision? Where, where do you want to see God move in your life? I love the message version of the paraphrase of, of the, the verse that we read in Proverbs. It says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves, but when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. I, I know from about age 15 to 18 in my life, I, I really resonated with, with that verse. I was stumbling all over myself. I didn't know where I was going. I was part of a crowd of people in the church, but I wasn't following Jesus, and I was stumbling all over myself. And I'll never forget in this church, in a small group in this church, the moment where those scales came off of my eyes and, and Jesus saved me and, and he set me on a new path and he began to give me vision for my life. And that vision has had some things that have been very consistent from the beginning. And then there have been seasons where the vision looked a little bit different. And so I want to help you answer the question, what does God want to do in me? What does God want to do in your life? As a church, we have four things that we're praying for, for every person that walks in this door. The first one is this, is that you would give your life to Jesus. That you would give your life to Jesus. Look at Mark 8. It says, then he called, this is Jesus, he called the crowd to him along with his disciples. I want you to notice something in that first sentence. There were two groups of people. There was a crowd. These people were interested in Jesus. They were listening to Jesus, but it differentiates and it says, and that there were disciples. Just because we're part of the crowd doesn't mean that we're followers of Jesus. And Jesus gives this challenge to the crowd. He says, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. And then he gives this this verse that's, that's so poignant. He says, what good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit your soul? If, if the vision that you have for your life doesn't start with just giving your life to Jesus, surrendering your life to him, then we're, we're going after the wrong target. And it's ultimately being willing to say, God, I want to give up my life for the one who gave up his life for me. Nobody else did that for you. Nobody else died for your sin and made a way for you to have peace with God other than Jesus. So our vision for you is that you would give your life to Jesus. Second thing that I'm praying for every person here, that you would pray that in you, God would not only get that you would give your life to Jesus, but that you would be set free 
by Jesus, that you would be set free by Jesus. Because here's what happens. We, we give our life to Christ, and maybe that happened for you when you were a kid, or maybe that's going to happen for you today. I'm believing that for many of us here and at the campuses, we're going to make that decision. But we become a new person. The Bible says that the old is gone, the new is, has, has come. We, we, we're born again. But here's the problem, is a lot of the old, it, it, it dies slowly. And we, we, we lived our life in slavery, and just because we give our life to Jesus doesn't mean that that stuff automatically uh, doesn't still have impact in our lives today. And so we have to be set free. And some of you are like me. When I gave my life to Christ at 18, uh, I don't even know if I've ever told my mom this. She's here today, so it's awkward. But I was smoking a pack of cigarettes a day at 18 years old. I was. And, and the day that I gave my life to Christ, I stopped smoking. I've never touched a cigarette since then. I was just, God set me free from that. I'm grateful for that. By the way, some of you smoke cigarettes and people ask, hey, can you be a Christian and smoke? You can. Chris, smoking cigarettes won't send you to hell. It'll just make you smell like you've been there. Uh, so that's, that's an old joke. That's from the old days. That's one of dad's. Um, but, but here's my point. Here's my point. There's some other things that I was dealing with in my life that took a little bit longer for me to be free of. I, I had some addictions. As a kid, I had struggled with with pornography, I had a pornography addiction that it took years of me processing in community. See, when we give our life to Jesus, when we ask for forgiveness, he's, he forgives us of our sins right away. I'll show you a scripture that says that. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. You don't have to wonder if you've been forgiven. Some of us have had a hard time forgiving somebody because of the hurt and the pain that we've walked through, and, and that's understandable, but you don't have to wonder if Jesus is having a hard time forgiving you. He's quick to do it. But then there's a, another component. We confess our sins to God to be forgiven, but we confess our sins to each other to be healed and to be set free. James 5, 16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. I don't just want you to be saved. I want you to be free. I want you to experience wholeness and freedom that comes from the community that is here. And that's why we do small groups and celebrate recovery and the freedom course and, and re-engage and all kinds of opportunities for you to get around other people and, and share what you're going through. And, and, and so often we're so afraid to share. I know I was with my issues because we think we're gonna share it and people are gonna go, wow. He deals with that. But what happens is people go, oh, me too. You know, I used to struggle with that. Or I'm on a journey here. Let's, let's work this out together. So my vision for you is that you would give your life to Jesus, that you would be set free by Jesus, that you would become like Jesus as a third component. Not only that we would give our life to him, that we would be set free, but they, every single day that we live, we would begin to look more and more like him, the character, the attitude, the way we see the issues of the world, that we would have a biblical worldview. I love the way Paul said it in Galatians. He said, oh, my dear children, I feel as if I'm going through labor pains for you again, and they will continue until Christ is fully developed in your lives. Paul was pretty bold going with the labor pains analogy, but he, he went there, you know, but he said, what, what it is, is, is it's this desire that I have to see you fully formed in your faith, to see you look more like Jesus. What part of your life 
doesn't look like Jesus right now? And are you working on it? Or do you say things like, well, I'm just not a patient person. You know, the problem with that is patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. And when we give our life to Christ and we follow him, it's not so that you can just not be a patient person. It's because he's going to form his character in you as we walk with him. And, and we've all got stuff. You know, you don't graduate from becoming more like Jesus. Again, whether you've been coming from day one or whether you're here on your day one, there's some stuff that, that God wants to, to form in us. There's character of Christ that he wants to develop in us. There's fruit of the spirit that, that he wants us to grow into. So I, I pray that your vision would include giving your life to Christ and being set free by Jesus, that you would become like Jesus and then that you would get on mission with Jesus that you would get on mission with Jesus. Matthew 4, 18 and 19, Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. See, when we give our life to Jesus, he invites us into a vision and into a mission that is so much bigger than what any of us could come up with on our own. He takes these guys and their vision for their life was maybe a certain number of fish they were going to catch that day, get enough for their family, maybe enough to make a little bit of a profit. <laughs> and Jesus says, hey, I've got a lot more. You think you enjoy catching fish? Wait till you experience what it's like to be used by the God of heaven to see people Live, people's lives transformed. So what's your vision for your life? You know, our vision for our church is those four things. Honestly, the, the, our, why we exist as a church is to see those four things happen in your life and people who are driving by our campuses right now and don't know that they need it all around the world. We say it like this. We exist to help people find God, grow in their faith, discover their purpose, and make a difference. How do you find God? You give your life to Jesus. There's only one way. Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you're growing in your faith, you're being set free from old mindsets and old habits and, and hangups. When we discover our purpose, we, we become more like Jesus, and then we make a difference by getting on mission with Jesus. That's why we exist. Everything that we do here at Seacoast is filtered through those four things. If it doesn't help us do those things, we're not going to do it. That's why uh, we, we do small groups. That's why we gather here on the weekends. That's why last weekend alone, just last weekend, we had 112 people here and at our campuses that got baptized, confessing their, their, their faith in Jesus Christ, which is awesome. And, and by the way, everything that you give, uh, your tithes that you give here, it goes to funding those things. So children's ministry and, and, and custom student ministry and our chosen women's ministry and our campuses and the mortgages that we have, the rent that we pay, the staff that it takes to do that, all of that goes towards that. So the second part of that question is, what does God want to do through me? This is our legacy weekend. We do this every year and we used to do capital campaigns. We've kind of quit doing capital campaigns. Legacy weekend, we, we, we share the vision of our church and what we see God doing next. And we invite you guys to be a part of that. Here's the good news. I don't feel any pressure today to sell you on anything. Uh, so you shouldn't feel any pressure either. 
Uh, all we do, here's how we handle it. Legacy is the stuff that's in the future that's outside of our budget that we're believing God for, we're dreaming uh, about, and we cast the vision to you guys, and then you pray and ask God if he's calling you to be a part of it, and then our giving together uh, determines the pace of that vision. And so there's no pressure, but I do want to share some exciting things that we're dreaming about. What do we see God doing through us? I'm going I'm to talk about five things really briefly. I'm going to have some of our team help us with that. By the way, there's a lot more than that. So if you don't hear your campus called out here, just know that we're dreaming about a lot. But I want to highlight five of them. The first one is related to Seacoast music. Seacoast music. See, if I were to ask you what you love about our church, the majority of us in the first couple of things after you talk about me and my preaching, you're going to get into the music, right? No, we've been impacted by the music and the, the worship that happens here. And so I've asked one of our team members, uh, Brandon Lake. Uh, some of you know Brandon. He's won five Grammy Awards. Uh, he's the current artist of the year uh, in Christian music. And he's going to be on video. He's going to share why is now the time that we're to invest in Seacoast music. So take a listen to Brandon. Hey, what's up, Seacoast family? It's Brandon Lake. And I am so excited to share for just one second on why I believe right now is the season for Seacoast music to make an impact like never before. Really, three things come to mind when I think of why this is the season, why we need to push, we need to invest, and um, really the first thing is culture. I, I believe that our culture is healthier than it has ever been before. So excited about who's on the team in this season and the kind of songs that they're writing. You guys know if you've been a part of Seacoast for a while that we have seen some miraculous things over the past few years. And I think that some of the most powerful songs are songs that come from testimony. It's, this is our culture. We have seen God move in a, in a powerful way. And so the culture is healthy. Um, we have things to write about, miracles, signs, and wonders. The second thing would be character. The kind of people that are on our team, their character is rock solid. Um, I love that there's this scripture in Psalms that says that David led with skillful hands and purity of heart. And I believe that these are the kinds of people we have on our team on Seacoast Music right now. They're skillful, they're excellent, but they also carry this pure spirit. They're humble. And uh, with that kind of character, I can only imagine how God wants to breathe on these songs and our leaders and use us in a powerful way to make an impact not only inside the church, but outside of our walls. And then thirdly, I would say capacity. Um, even over the past few months, we've been gathering as a team. We've even been bringing people in from Nashville through my relationships and what God's allowed me to be a part of across our nation, um, getting the best of the best to help us grow. And we've been writing songs like never before and uh, so excited about um, the level of songs that we are writing. Um, so incredibly proud of our team. And I've just had this thought, um, you know, worship, uh, many times in the Bible, they write, they send the worship leaders out first. And, um, and we're in a war, we're in a battle, right? And the good thing is we know who has already won. But I believe that worship is such a resource uh, against any battle. And um, I'm excited for the songs that are going to come out that are going to help our church um, in some warfare and give us songs to sing, not only uh, stones of remembrance, songs that are like stones of remembrance and looking back and looking and singing like, man, look what God did. But they're also going to be prophetic songs and warfare songs that are going to help us lead us 
into the this amazing future um, that I know God has for us. So thank you so much for loving on us, encouraging us, amazing things to come. Come on. Here's what's here's what's awesome. Brandon was 14 when he picked up a guitar for the first time in our youth ministry. And, um, and, and, and God cultivated that gift in him in this house. Uh, obviously, we have actually got the framework and the structure for Seacoast Music. We built that, but we really sense now is the time. Uh, Brandon has agreed to be on our albums, uh, to write music for these albums, and to, to, to release some songs to the world. They're going to make a huge difference. Uh, by the way, the goal is not to make money on it. It's going to cost us about $250,000 in investment this year. If you want to know more about it, there is a trifold that you guys got. There's a website it's going to give a little bit more detail on that. And we believe at some point this is going to actually fund future ministry and missions, but it's going to take an investment up front. We believe now's the time. Second thing I want to talk to you guys about is Somerville. God is doing amazing things at our Somerville campus, and I'm going to let Pastor Roy Jakes tell you what's been happening and what's coming. Hey guys, Pastor Roy here from the Somerville campus. Wanted to give you an update on what's happening here and in the surrounding area of Somerville. So as many of you know, for a few years now, we've had some good problems. We've been growing tremendously and been dealing with some capacity issues. And so trying to figure out how do we continue to grow and alleviate capacity. And so one of the things we did this past fall after talking about it for a few years is we finally launched the Cane Bay campus. Uh, they launched on September 10th, just about 10 weeks ago. Had our largest campus launch ever with 800 16 in attendance, and those guys have continued over the last 10 weeks to do amazing things, and we're excited about what the future is in Cane Bay. We sent about 150 folks here from the Somerville campus up there as part of that initial launch, and uh, we hoped to open up some seats here at the Somerville campus. The good news is that we did. The bad news is it was only temporary. In fact, the day that they launched with 816 here at the Somerville campus, we still had one of our record high attendances in the history of our campuses. So we're trying to continue to figure out how do we make room here at Somerville. And we've got lots of things on the table, but one of the things I'm excited to share with you guys this year is that uh, this past spring, because of your generosity, we were able to purchase the property uh, on the backside of our property, 1.6 acres uh, here on Gum Street. Uh, that that 1.6 acres comes with the 5,000 square foot building. The picture you see here next to me is just kind of an artist rendition, uh, rendi uh, rendering of what we think that building could look like. So one of the things we know is going to happen immediately is we can get 77 parking spots out of that property. That'll help us extend our parking lot here on site and immediately open up some capacity there in our parking lot. But also with that 5,000 square foot building, we see so much potential to expand our ministry and to also continue to make room here in our current building. We're super proud of some of the things we're doing in local missions right now. We have a food pantry. We have a warming shelter. So many great things happening in local missions. But we know that with this building, we can open up our dedicated Somerville Dream Center and continue to do even more in our community through local missions. So, so many plans we've got for this building, but in order to get there, we need to continue to raise funds. And so thank you for your past support in helping us get to where we are, but thank you for what you're continuing to do to help us make room here in the Somerville region and in the Somerville community for the kingdom of God. Come on, give it up for our Somerville campus. We love you guys. And listen, we, we take for granted 816 people. We had 330 people when we launched Seacoast for the very first time in 1988. Uh, just amazing what God is doing. We had believed, hoped, thought we would make room, but we're already out of room again. And so uh, be on the 
Look out, there will be future campuses in Somerville uh, in the next year or two. But this project, I'm so excited, is going to be our Seacoast Dream Center. It'll be our third Dream Center. We have one in North Charleston. We have one in West Ashley. And we'll be opening our third Seacoast Dream Center. It's going to cost about a million dollars. We paid for the land and the building out of our budget. Uh, but to upfit the building is going to cost about a million dollars. We're doing that in two phases. Again, you can get more information about that on that trifold. Third thing that I want to mention to you is John's Island. This is an update. I told you guys a year ago, uh, we purchased property on John's Island for our John's Island campus. We were hoping the building would cost about $7 million. It's coming in. It's going to be an $11.5 million project, which is um, first time we've done a campus ground-up construction. Uh, it's going to be an amazing opportunity to put a permanent facility on John's Island in an area that's growing tremendously. Here's what's amazing. Since we announced this to you guys about a year, year and a half ago, we have raised almost $6 million for this project, which is just insane. And uh, we currently have a $300,000 gift that's a matching gift. So every dollar that goes towards that is going to go uh, be doubled uh, towards this project. And so we'll break ground next year, middle part of next year. We'll move into that building in uh, 2025. And uh, we just thank you guys for investing in that. I know everybody in the building I'm sitting in, this building costs about $31 million. We raised $16 million. And there are people that you will never meet that paid for the chair that you're sitting in right now. And we have an opportunity to pay that forward to other campuses. And so, yeah, thank God for that. Fourth thing I'll mention briefly is uh, global missions. Uh, we've mentioned this before. As a church, we've given over $22 million to global missions. And we have partners in Togo, Africa, Sri Lanka, uh, Pakistan. Where we've, God is doing incredible things globally, and we're going to continue to invest in those partners, current partnerships and future partnerships. But one thing we know God has called us to is to get his written word in the hands of people who don't have access to it right now. So we told you about this last year. We believe God's called us to translate the Bible into the Punjabi language. There's 48 million people who speak this language. High levels of poverty. Why do poverty matter in that? Because need often is the, the, the fertile ground for people to give their life to Jesus. Uh, it's a predominantly Muslim population. And uh, we, we ask you, it's going to cost a million dollars to raise to translate it. Here's the great news. You guys have already given $380,000 towards that project. And listen to this. We've already translated the entire New Testament in the first five books of the Old Testament into the Punjabi language, which is incredible. And, and listen, I know you're never going to meet these people, many of them on this side, although we will send teams and we will do ministry partnerships there. But, but many of us are going to be in heaven one day and we're going to meet people who came to know Jesus because the living and active word of God was translated into their language by people who knew they would never meet him, but wanted to be on mission with what God is doing. And there's a fifth thing I want to mention to you, and I'm going to mention this briefly. There, by the way, there's over 40 projects that we're involved in. Uh, Manning, we're going to do a building in Manning that's going to cost a couple million dollars. I just don't have time. You guys want to go to lunch and eat. I don't have time to talk to you about all of those projects. Uh, Pastors Collective and what what our founding pastor is doing out at Church Creek. We're continuing to make investments there. So just because I don't talk about it today doesn't mean it's not on our vision. And I'll show you how you can get access to all of those projects in just a minute. But the fifth one is I want to pay down our debt. I want to pay down our debt. Some of you are like, really? Seacoast has debt? Uh, somebody's excited about paying down our debt. Let me, let me tell you about it. Uh, many of you have mortgages. 
Uh, and that's the same thing. At Seacoast, we've always had vision that was bigger than the means to pay for it in that moment. And so, for example, this building that we're in right now that I'm preaching from, it costs about $31 million. Uh, we set a vision to raise $14 million for that. Many of our friends thought we were crazy. Our bank actually offered to pay for the whole thing. But we said, no, we want to make sure the church is bought in and invested and involved. We have a board of trustees that helps manage that very, very wisely. Well, we ended up raising $16 million, which was amazing for this. But then we, we mortgaged the rest of that. Uh, similar on a building in Somerville, similar uh, on a building in West Ashley, different numbers. But there have been times that we've, we've leveraged that. Well, we feel like right now is a time where God is calling us to pay off our mortgage. We have a 23-year amortization rate on all of our mortgages. Uh, we've currently been paying it off on a 10-year plan. And so we're hustling. We're a couple of years into that. But we're believing and praying that God would have us completely debt-free by the year 2028. And that there'll be some people who get it and who understand, man, every dollar that's going to a mortgage right now will be going to missions if we were completely debt-free. And so we're praying for that. We're believing for that. And we just want to share that with you as a church to pray about that. And some of you may get excited about being a part of that. Why 2028? Part of that is it's, it's about five years from now. Part of that is that most of our mortgages is in uh, fixed rates until 2028. And we just want to, we want to aggressively pay that off so that more money goes to giving away missions and, and expanding our ministry here. And so that's a little bit about what we're dreaming about. The question that I would ask for you, what does God want to do through you? Is there a part that he wants you to play in that? And again, there's no pressure here today. You got this trifold here at all of our campuses and there's a QR code. I think we'll put that up as well on the screen that you can click on. And that's just going to take you to our legacy page. And there's more information and the ability to give to the general legacy fund, if you say, hey, we're all in, we love the vision, we're going to give to it, and then we'll spend it on those projects, or you can give specifically to those projects. If there's one thing that you're like, man, I want to be a part of the music thing or Pastors Collective or whatever it might be, you can give specifically to that. And we're just asking everybody to pray, what's the part that you would play in that? What's your vision? What's God want to do in you today? And then what is God going to do through us as we prepare the way for future generations. My personal family vision statement, mission statement, there's one word that, that we have it in a phrase. It's remember the ripple. Remember the ripple. And the reason that's important to me is because my great-grandfather made a decision to follow Christ long before I was born. And so much of what I'm experiencing in my life right now, the fruit that I'm seeing in my family, was decisions that were made before I was even born that ripple into the next generation and the generations after. And I'm so excited that we get to be a part of creating a ripple for future generations that, that, that are going to go long after we're here. What's it going to look like 20, 30, 40 years from now? When most of us are in heaven at that point, but there are people whose lives are still being changed and impacted because we chose to get on mission with Jesus. Would you pray with me as we close? God, I thank you so much for this incredible church. Lord, I thank you for this incredible group of people here and at the campuses and online. Lord, who all form this family called Seacoast Church. I thank you for the humility of Pastor Greg and Debbie who founded this thing and have never made it about them, have never made it about a pedestal that they would stand on, but that they've been a part and we all get to be a part of building platforms that many people stand on that preach the word of God that many would be saved. And so I just pray, God, that today you would continue 
that work. I pray, God, that for some of us that are here, that we would get some personal vision for our lives. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, I encourage you to do it today. How do you do that? Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord. Confess with your mouth that he's Lord. You'll be saved. It's as simple as giving your life to the one who gave his life for you. God, I pray that as we respond, people would be set free in your presence at the prayer teams. I pray, God, that we would be formed into your image, that we would take on the character of Christ and begin to look more and more like you. And God, that many of us would choose to be a part of your mission and of your vision. You said you will build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Thank you that we get to be a part of it. In Jesus' name, amen.